Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Let's go to game one of this series. I walked into City Field, Pete, on Friday night. Not chipper. wouldn't say that. But a sense of, okay, let's go. Yeah, they lost two games to the Padres. Yeah, it wasn't a great end to the first half of the year. But let's start anew. You got Justin Verlander on the mound. You got a packed house at City Field. It's fireworks night. I'm in the building. I've had a nice vacation. I'm feeling good. It's my first Met game as a 40-year-old. Things are going to turn around. Like, I, I was actually optimistic, maybe too strong, but I felt a sense of, all right, let's see what happens. And I have never seen before a first batter in the bottom of the first inning set a tone that we all could feel coming. Like, Brandon Nimmo hits a ball off the top of the fence. I I clearly know it's not a home run. So even when they're signaling home run, uh, I went to the game on Friday with a buddy of mine, Dennis. I said, that's not a freaking home run. Like, unless I'm blind, unless I'm confused, I'm out of whack coming out of the all-star break. That's not a home run that hit the top of the fence. We obviously see the replay. It hits the top of the fence. They stick him on second base. And he said it first, in fairness to him, not me. He looks at me and says, they're not going to score him, are they? And I said, no, they're not. And I have this bad feeling that this is going to be our best offensive chance the entire game. And what happens? Tommy Pham strikes out. Francisco Lindor strikes out. Pete Alonso draws a walk, and Starling Marte hits a tiny little fly ball to right field, and it's on like Donkey Kong. Because the Met offense from that moment forward just got mowed down all night long by Julio Urias. It was painful to watch. Painful. And you get teased because, you know, Verlander worked through the first. He got through a walk in the second, picked off James Altman, gets a one, two, three, third, a one, two, three, fourth. And you know what I did in the fourth inning after Verlander settled in? It's my fault. I'm going to raise my hand. I did it. I texted my wonderful wife. 
And I said, Justin Verlander has not allowed a hit through four innings. What am I doing? Like, have not, have I not learned from past experiences? He had thrown like 90 pitches through four innings. Like, even though he had not allowed a base hit, there, there was no way in the world, even if that continued, he was going more than six innings, which meant Drew Smith and David Peterson and Trevor Gott were going to have to contribute to a no-hitter. And I opened up my big fat mouth. And what does Justin Verlander do? He walks not just three guys in a row, which is bad enough, still holding on to his no-hitter. He walks the seven, eight, and nine hitters back to back to back before Mookie Betts is coming to the plate. Oh, my God. You know, when Verlander did that in the fifth inning, and had not allowed a hit yet at this point, which I'm not... It was only fitting that for me to open up my mouth and even text my wife about a no-hitter that I'd have it shoved back at me by, yeah, he's still not allowing a hit, but he's walking freaking Jason Hayward, who hasn't been good in seven years, John, James Outman, and Miguel Rojas to get to Mookie Betts, who in a normal year maybe wins the MVP again. Uh, and then he gets him to hit a line drive to left field, and Mark Hanna can't catch it which should have been an error, in my opinion. So all bad defense is not measured by error. Sometimes bad defense is measured by, you know, just not making a play you should make. And then he gives up the dumper to Freddie Freeman, the down 3 nothing. You put the lights out. Now, you could basically wrap it up and just get the hell out of town. It was a very mediocre performance by Verlander. He walks six guys in five, six guys in five innings. He doesn't get helped out by the defense, like I mentioned. Canna's got to make that play. And I know Freddie Freeman's two-run double wasn't exactly smoked, but here's the problem. When you walk as many guys as you do, you put yourself in a spot where weak contact can kick your ass. Throw strikes. And Verlander didn't. And he doesn't give him innings. He gives him five innings coming out of the All-Star break. And even though the Met bullpen is rested, look who they're going to. They're going to David Peterson, who's a reliever again. Hello, David. They're going to Trevor Gott, who actually looked good on Friday. They're going to Dominic Leone. They're going to Drew Smith. And before you know it, a 3 nothing game is a 4 nothing game, and then is a 5 nothing game, and then is a 6 nothing game. And all the while, the Met offense is being absolutely mowed down. Outside of a walk, a hit batsman, and a catcher's interference, the New York Met offense did absolutely Nothing. Can you- 14 in a row retired to end the game. It was like bang, 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 good night. And by the way, the the hit by pitch to Marte and the Canna, not Canna, excuse me, the Brett Beatty catches interference. I still don't know if it actually hit Marte, and I still don't know if Marte, if uh, Beatty hit the glove of the catcher. That's still debatable. <laughs> I mean, it really is. So – when you think about it, those two base runners, if they don't happen, you're looking at, hold on, let me do the math here. Three, you're looking at, I think it would be 25 in a row would have been retired by Dodger pitching. It was it was non-competitive, and I think what makes it worse, what made it worse for all of us, is that it was coming out of the All-Star break. And it was coming out of, you know, a week off, basically, the two-game losing streak against the Padres, but at least that chance of, okay, let's start over. 
Let's see what this team could do now. They still had one six in a row. They're back at home. They got one of their co-aces on the mound. You're facing a guy in your eyes who has not had a great year. He also had that injury where he missed a bunch of time, but has not had a great year. And the Mets get mowed down. And I think to a lot of us on Friday night, it was, does this team give a crap? And I know that's just something that looks a certain way when your offense doesn't do anything. When your offense gets mowed down, it's easy to say, ah, they don't care. I'm not saying they don't care, but it looked that way. They played that way. And that was just an awful, awful start to the second half of the year, especially if you're in that building. I'm in that building Friday night and the booze and the anger, and I'm not blaming anybody for this. I'm just observing, was as loud as I've heard it in a long time. Met fans were pissed, and I, and I, I can tell you why. It's a Friday night against the Dodgers. It's like their highest price level for tickets. They have pricing that changes based on the opponent, time of year, and whatnot. And outside of opening day in the Yankees, a Friday night against the Dodgers is the most expensive ticket. I think people are there saying, I want to see my team. And you give that kind of effort? You got your starting pitchers making $45 million a year walking six guys. You have your offense after a leadoff double basically go to sleep. You had a lot of booing on Friday night, and I don't blame anybody. In fact, in wrestling, it's called a pop when uh, the crowd gets excited and they cheer something. The biggest pop of the night, I'm not joking to you, was a pigeon that got loose on the field. And the crowd started rooting the pigeon on to get away from security. That was the biggest pop on Friday night until you got the fireworks, which I was certainly not staying for. That game ended. I wasn't there with my kids on Friday. That game ended. I'm hightailing it out. And I wasn't the only one. There were quite a few Met fans that said, I ain't staying on for fireworks. But a one hit, a one hit, I guess it was one, two, three, four base runners, one hit, four base runners, lifeless, six nothing loss in which your pitching walked nine guys. Verlander responsible for six of them. Just an absolutely brutal start to the weekend. Now, I have a question for you. Now, listen, I, I've, it wasn't going to make any difference whatsoever, but David Peterson goes to the bullpen, and he what, pitched like 17, 18 pitches, pitches one inning, and then is, is done for the game. If you're going to pitch David Peterson, and I understand that you have an off day on Monday, so you can get to more bullpen arms stuff like that. If you're going to pitch David Peterson, isn't he? Especially if you're pulling the start, the starting pitcher at five innings, aren't you going to go to him for more than an inning? Aren't you going to try to push him a few innings? Does that make sense? I would sense? have been okay with it if Peterson had pitched well, but he was he was not good. I mean, remember the last out he got was after he gave up a hit to Miguel Rojas and he got thrown out trying to stretch a single into a double. So if you had kept him in the game, he's now facing the top of the order. He's facing Betts, Freeman, and Will Smith, and that just would have gone awful. Uh, David Peterson has not, in his brief opportunities as a reliever, has not been impressive. Remember that game last year against the Yankees where they brought him in in a hold situation or a save situation? I forget exactly if it was the eighth or ninth inning. I think it was the seventh or eighth inning. He has not distinguished himself as a reliever. I... Yeah, I went back and forth about that decision because you could have stuck with the six-man rotation, though they do have off days coming up. So a six-man rotation would mean that you're getting your starters once a week, which would benefit Kodai Senga, I guess, but I don't know who else. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you're probably right that his 
job may turn into a long man. Like if you have to go to your bullpen in the third or fourth inning, here's a guy that could come in and eat some innings and maybe be the Trevor Williams role from a year ago. I don't know if that's where they're going, if they want to see if he could be a short reliever, because they can use him. They don't exactly have a lot of guys that you trust late in games. I think David Peterson's in a weird spot right now. Like, what's his future? He had a terrible, terrible season, got recalled and looked a lot better in the rotation. There's no room for him in the rotation, but he's also one of the younger guys. And if we're talking about, hey, this team's dead, they're not going anywhere, wouldn't you want to see more of David Peterson? Which leads me to assume that while it may not be Scherzer and Verlander, they get the most attention, Carlos Carrasco could be on the outs with a final year of his contract. Jose Quintana, I doubt, because he's going to have to pitch a couple of times before he gets dealt. So really, Carrasco is a guy that jumps out at me as someone that they may deal. Now, they'll pick up a lot of his salary, but it's easier to pick up the one year at $13 million left on Carlos Carrasco's deal, or $13 million, whatever it is, $15 million, than the multiple years left at crazy money on Scherzer and Verlander. And if Carrasco gets dealt, Peterson then re-enters the rotation, but he may be one of those guys You talk about Beatty and Mauricio and seeing the young players. I know we've seen a lot of David Peterson over the last three years, but they do not have a rotation right now that features major leaguers that can be here in three years. Now, they've got some kids in the system who look pretty good. This Tyler Stewart's pitched real well. I've been keeping an eye on him. His numbers have been awesome. And he's like really big, like 6'8", 6'9", big kid. But they don't have a lot of guys currently in the rotation that can be here two, three years from now. So I think Peterson ends up back in the rotation, but at least for now, until either a trade or someone gets hurt, it's weird how they're going to use him. Will he be a long man? Will they try to make him a short man again? eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And the biggest thing that you just said there, the biggest issue is, you said they're probably going to get rid of Carlos Carrasco. Who the hell wants him? He sucks, too. Like, And I understand you could say that uh, Cohen will eat the rest of his contract, and what are you going to give him for? Like, it, it, it is... The the pieces, there's very few pieces that have any value right now on the Mets. Okay, so you're not going to get a lot for Carlos Carrasco. I'm certainly not going to argue that with you because they won't. But I do think that there are teams. I, I, I'll name teams. The Cincinnati Reds couldn't use Carlos Carrasco as a veteran in their rotation as they try to win the NL Central. The Baltimore Orioles, who had interest in him during the offseason, couldn't use Carlos Carrasco. There would certainly be teams. That would be interested. Now, are you getting a prize prospect for him? No, I'm not suggesting that. But look around baseball, man. There's not a lot of great starting pitching. And how many teams are out of it that have starting pitchers that you would want? 
Like how many guys on the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals and the Colorado Rockies feature starting pitchers that the Orioles or Reds would say, sign me up, or the Dodgers would say, sign me up. They could use starting pitching with all the injuries they're going through. So I'm not suggesting you're getting something amazing back. I'm suggesting that there there would be a market for, look, they got something for Eduardo Escobar. What are we talking about here? Listen, as long as we don't get James McCann back in the trade to Baltimore, I'm fine. (laughs) Hey, the Orioles keep winning, even though James McCann's numbers are pretty dreadful. So Friday was bad. Saturday was bad. Let's have some love, have some success, uh, talk about something positive for at least a short period of time. And that was Sunday's game. But I want to walk you through my Sunday. Though I did get one very upset emailer who said that they did not like hearing about my experience watching a Met game on the toilet and that they don't care, and that that's not what they want from the Rico. I should read that email. That made me laugh. Uh, he, was, he was not happy. He's like, listen, Evan, nobody gives a crap, no pun intended, that you're watching a Met game on the toilet. Let me find where that is. Uh... No, that was brilliant. I, I, honestly, <laughs> over the past week, we've gotten some amazing emails and you're right. They, they're starting to flood in as they, they keep on getting worse and they're blowing games. It's, it's just very impressive. I appreciate the audience so much. Yes. <laughs> no, you guys are great. No, absolutely. With that said, I'm still going to explain to you when I'm on the toilet watching a Met game. The one email <laughs> will not convince me otherwise. But on Sunday, I was not going to the game. I went on Friday. I did not go on Saturday. And I had no plans to go on Sunday. 140 game. I had other engagements. When the game got moved to 5-10, there was a little reconsideration. And I said to my wife, any thoughts, 5 o'clock game? And she said, I could be interested in like a date night. You know, not take our kids, but maybe me and you, we go to a game. I said, okay. I don't have my tickets. I had already sold them a while ago because I was never planning on going to this game. So between the combination of the Mets sucking, the game time being moved, and the weather forecast not being great, you could imagine what happened to prices. They just fell apart. So I go on SeatGeek, and my wife loved. We went a couple of years ago for my birthday. We sat first row behind home plate. She had surprised me. She bought those tickets, and it was my birthday in 2015. And on that day, we sat first row behind the plate or on TV the entire game. I'll never forget the Mets played the Diamondbacks that day. Matt Harvey pitched, pitched very well, and hit a home run. And it was great. Just a fantastic day. And so she always said, boy, those are seats are amazing. Plus all the foods included. Can we sit there? I said, honey, I mean, I know I'm an afternoon drive, but do I get paid that much? So I go on Seeky, Pete, and the prices sank to the point where those tickets were, while expensive, much more affordable than they ever were. Like those tickets usually on SeatGeek are a grand a ticket. And I could never rationalize spending $1,000 to go to a regular season med game. So it dropped to like 200 bucks a ticket, which is not crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I don't want to act like $200 a ticket is nothing. It's yes, Pete. No. Yeah. But when you think about all the food and everything else, oh. unless it's parking, whatever, but you talk about everything that you're going to consume 200 a ticket with everything comped, it's pretty beautiful. It's not a bad deal. So I say it to my wife, and she's like, I'm in. I love it. So I I bought these tickets, front row, behind the plate. Now, we were not on TV the entire game. I already did my research to make sure. Uh, My dad was able to catch her, like, a couple of quick pictures. But 
It was like a little bit to the left, a little bit to, or to the right. I, I have no idea. And so we go and I get my first Steve Cohen surprise. If you've never sat in this clover box, I think it's called the clover section. I know the foods included, like Pete just said, you know, hot dogs, hamburgers. They were serving eggs and baking because it was supposed to be an early afternoon game. I got my first surprise I had never known, and they just changed this. The alcohol was included. How about that? Open freaking bar. Let's go. What? Let's happening? go. That is Uncle Stevie. Let's. You are the man, <laughs> dude. I had no idea. Like I, again, I had sat in this clover section. I think twice in my life, not all, maybe a few more times because Francesa used to have tickets down there. And I remember he gave me a couple of tickets once. So I had sat down there a few times, but not a lot and certainly not recently. So I'm ex- someone tells me the, uh, the security guy explains to me, all right, so here's how this works. You get the food delivered to you. I'm like delivered. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. I ain't getting up there in the game and all the booze is included. So I get my wife a drink. I get a drink. I'm even joking. We're going to have to drink a lot to get through this game. This is perfect. So I am bouging it up Sunday at City Field. I mean, just bouging it up. Got there early. Oh, it was fantastic. It was great. Then I find out the game's delayed by a half hour. We don't even give a crap. We're like, fine. More time to drink. More time to eat. And, and this delivery of food thing is unbelievable. Because one thing I've noticed in my time on this earth is even when the food's all included, I want to watch the game. So once I sit down, I don't get up enough. And here they would deliver it. So I get on my phone and I order, I didn't even know this existed, a peanut butter and jelly cookie. And I'm like, holler, let's get that bad boy coming. And within 45 seconds of me ordering this on my phone, here comes some guy with a peanut butter and jelly cookie. I'm like, this is amazing. God, I should get season tickets down here. Then I realized how expensive it would be, and I changed my mind. And I said, nope, I'm sitting in the 300s. I'm good. Now, I want to make one observation. My wife did not like this observation. I love the seats. It was a lot of fun, I think, to watch a game, balls and strikes. You're basically right behind the umpire. It's great. Every ball that's hit, though, I'd rather sit in my section. I'm not even kidding you. I'd rather have the height. I think you get better judgments on fly balls and ground balls when you have a little bit of height. Then when you're that flat, again, not saying the seat sucks by any stretch. The seat was amazing. I think it's a great experience. The food, the drinks, the balls and strikes, the players at two feet in front of you. It's great. But on fly balls, you're better off being elevated a little bit. There's only one person in the history of life that would say that the seats front row are not as good as the seats in the 300 section. And that's Evan Roberts. So congratulations. You did it. <laughs> I, I, I pulled it off. So I'm in this section and it's empty. Like no one showed up, which is probably a part of why the, the ticket prices dropped so much. Except there was one person sitting about three seats away from us. And that person was. <laughs> that person was Max Scherzer's wife. And I made sure not to call him a piece of crap too loudly. Because I don't want to piss her off. Now, I actually didn't even know it was her until the very end of the game. So if things went badly for Max, they may have gone badly for me because she may not have been happy with some of the things I said. Though my wife did make a comment, which 
Uh, I think it was after the first inning when Max threw a one, two, three inning and looked pretty good. Struck out Mookie Betts, struck out Max Muncy. My wife says, so I guess he's not a piece of crap tonight. <laughs> so how did you actually realize that it was her? Like, when did that actually pop up? And you didn't talk to her at all? I didn't. No, I did not. I, I didn't realize it until it was late. I think it was about the fourth or fifth inning. My wife says to me, I think that woman is a player's wife. And I said to her, what would make you think that? And she's like, yeah, women's tuition. I could just tell that's a player's wife. And so from that moment on, I was like thinking, let me, let me see how she reacts to different players. And she would get up when the Mets were up and leave and then come back when Max was pitching. And then when Max was taken out of the game, she left <laughs> and she was wearing a jersey that said Scherzer, which, oh, which well. probably was the topper at the end. And then my wife, once I told her, I said, I think this is Max's wife. She Googled her and then said, yep, it is. Because, you know, based on Google and the picture and her. But, uh, yeah. The, usually you could tell by their fingers. Like if you see a huge rock on their finger, that's usually uh, the wife. of a. I went to a, um, I went to L.A. once and we went to see a Kings game. My buddy hooked us up with tickets. And we were sitting in the section right behind the wives of all the players. And the reason why I knew that was because they were all hot blondes with these huge rocks on their fingers. So you had to just put two and two together. I'll never forget. I would, the first time I ever went to a New Jersey Nets playoff game was actually in Charlotte. I, I never went to a game in New Jersey at that point. It was when they were playing the Charlotte Hornets in 2002. It was the Hornets last year in that, that version of the Hornets. They moved right after the postseason was over. And me and a buddy of mine from D.C., I was living in D.C. at the time, drove down to Charlotte. We're sitting like five rows off the court. It turned out to be the last ever Charlotte Hornets game of that incarnation in Charlotte, the final game at that arena. Nets beat them in game four, and then they won game five, and the whole thing was over. And we were sitting next to a woman who's, you know, she was just she was scantily clad. I want to clean it up. And I said to my buddy, who that, like, is she married to a player? And she was talking about who she was married to. And I'll never forget it. Lee Nalon. Remember Lee, Le- Lee Nalon? No. <laughs> Lee Nalon's either wife or girlfriend. Mistress. Or <laughs> mistress or something. <laughs> she, she wanted to talk about being with Lee Nalon. Oh, yeah. A lot about Lee Nalon that night, Pete. <laughs> a little too much? A little too much. It was a great night, though. Nets won, and they advanced. And I got to hang out with Lee Nalon's wife or girlfriend or mistress or whatever. Did she ask, far- if, you wanted to, did she ask if you wanted to hang out afterwards? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 